right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Difficult Conversations by Supply the Why. For those of you that have been with us for a while, I got a special treat for you. We have two of your favorites coming back. We have Dr. Obed Magny and we have Mike Powell. They returned for our old monthly meetups. So without further ado, let's go ahead and we're going to get Mike up on the screen. Very excited about this. Mike, how you doing? Fantastic. Fantastic. Glad to be back. Glad to be back, Dean. All right. Well, it's great to have you. it's been too long. It really does feel like it's it, been a it, long time. It's, it's been a very long time. Listen, I, I, I was I was so excited uh, about coming back tonight. I shaved my head. I shampooed my goatee. Um, I wanted to get it right tonight. All right. Well, you're looking good. You're looking fresh <laughs> and clean. So without my without further ado, we got to get the peanut butter and the jelly up on the screen. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Welcome back. Man, it's my pleasure to be here. But guess what? I too also shaved my head. I can't really rock the facial hair like you. You know what I'm saying? I'm, you know, I'm still going through puberty, so I'm waiting for the, you know, the whiskers to come out. So, you know, one of these years, I'll, I'll grow a whisker. One of these years. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're all freshly shaved because uh, you know my my head is freshly shaved as well, and uh, with the light, I. Uh, it's beaming, and I'm looking like a brand new toy. You know, like mm-hmm. if anybody wants to buy a a middle aged action figure out there, look for the supply of the wide doll. Getting up on the right foot already. I love it. <laughs> well, I figured I'd get myself before you two had a chance to get on me. So, so we'll go with that, guys. All seriousness. A lot going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Lots of crazy stuff. Lots of things that we've never seen before. One of the things that I wanted to start off with was a bill that is coming out of Kentucky. And it involves something that I've never seen before. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. So there is a bill that is in the, in the works right now, which would make it illegal to verbally assault a police officer. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that. I'm going to go to Mike first, get Mike's feelings and see and see what you, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Can it work? Is it something? Is it practical? What do you think, Mike? Um, I'm my personal opinion on the matter is, is no, I I don't think that. um, I mean, you can try it, but I don't think it'll work. I mean, you know, we're, we're already. We're already overfined in in this in this country. I mean, it's it's hard enough to get folks in and out of the the, the court system um, for serious crimes, and and so now you're adding a fine, uh, a mon- monetary fine, up to two hundred and fifty fifty dollars, I believe, as well as as uh, ninety days in jail. I, I just I just don't think it's the right way to go at this particular time uh, in the country. Obed. Same question. Can it work? Is it practical? Uh, practical? No. Can it work? No. Uh, <laughs> that's that's very easy to answer. Uh, so so what happens now, right? So I'm a police officer, and somebody now, mind you, it's not even so much as the insult. If you even so much as taunt, so how do you define what a taunt is, or how do you define how do you define what an insult is, right? If you're critically constructive about the way somebody's acting, and I take it as an insult. I mean, it, so it, it just becomes it just becomes a mess. And you know, the bigger the bigger issue here is how does this add trust and legitimacy to policing? Right? We know that police officers are always professional. Yes, we've seen those videos where you know people getting yelled at. You know, officers. You know, just standing their lines. You know, the right lines and everything. And people say things. Uh, you know, they point at them. Whatever it is. But what do you see 99% of the, well, what do you see most of the time? They're being professional. They don't say anything back. They just do what they do and let people voice and express themselves using their First Amendment rights. Now, somebody comes up to you and punches you in the face or they touch you or something like that. Completely different story. But again, in 2021, we are struggling when it comes to engagement and engaging our communities. And this bill does everything to undermine those efforts. So there's absolutely 
there's no benefit that can come from this law. All right, Mike, I'm going to redirect to you. Anything to add on what Obed said? Yeah, no, I, I think um, Obed points out a, a lot of uh, great points. I, I just, uh, you know, you're touching on that First, first Amendment that First Amendment thing. I mean, again, uh, do I condone it? Absolutely not. But do I think that, uh, uh, you know, do I think it should result in fines? No. No, I, I don't think that that is the answer, um, is, is finding your way out of it. it. It You know, history has shown that that really is not that effective. Um, if you look at, at history, um, it's not that effective. And again, you, you, you go back to the First Amendment and, and folks have a right to to express themselves, whether they, whether whether you agree with it or not, they have a right to express themselves, and and I think that that we need to remember that before we start fining folks for what uh, what said. And and again, we we and, and and we also touch upon like Obed pointed out, you, you know, a lot of these uh, definitions. How do you clarify that? What 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 defines the, you know an insult, a taunt? What 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 qualifies that? So I, I think we get into a lot of issues if this bill, this proposed bill was to actually uh, get through. All right. So it seems like you're on the same sheet of music there. So I'm going to devil's advocate you a little bit. So I'm doing my job. I am out there. I am protecting. I am serving. What gives anybody the right to come talk to me and treat me in a way where if I went to their job and did that to them, I might be on the hook for some sort of disorderly or harassment charge. Well, go ahead. Well, yeah. So, all right. So <clears throat> in the scope of your duties, right, let's say, you know, I'm out there in the streets I'm you know, I'm doing a, whatever it is. I'm, I'm contacting a citizen for whatever reason, right? You can't walk up two inches from my face and just having a conversation with me because we all know officer safety is paramount, right? Now, you want to stand across the street or whatever it is and, you know, have your choice words about me or what I'm doing or anything like that. That's absolutely fine. The very quintessential point of being a police officer is being a professional. Could you imagine if <laughs> you have athletes who do worse? I'm trying to be the devil's advocate. And you got me agreeing you with have athletes. <laughs> Athletes who hear worse, you know what I'm saying? And they can't go into the stands and start, well, I mean, we all know what Ron Artes did a you know, few <laughs> years ago, but, but we can't go out there. We, we can't do that because we're professionals. We are professionals. So if there's an expectation where we're held to a certain standard, a high standard, we have to demonstrate that high standard. You know what I'm saying? In the face of, yeah, somebody says something that's not nice. Okay. As long as you're not compromising my safety or your safety in that interaction, whatever it is, feel free to say whatever your heart desires. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to we go right back at you. So you said if they're standing a certain distance away, what is that minimum safe distance, Obed? Is it, is it, is it five feet? Is it one foot? You said across the street, what defines across the street? So at what point are they crossing the line? Again, I'm just here trying to do my job. I'm, I'm doing a car accident. I'm booking a car accident and I have somebody screaming at me, calling me everything but a child of God. Yeah. If what I'm in the process, does it become oh, too much? If I'm if I'm in the scope of my duties, for example, right? And mm -hmm. let's say I'm detaining someone, I would argue 20 feet, 15, 20 feet would be a good enough distance. Okay. Because again, if you're gonna make that point, we gotta come up with a reasonable distance. Mike, what about mm -hmm. you? What's a reasonable distance? Well, what reasonable, you know, what's what's the standard for for us as as you know in this country? What is it? What is it? Six feet is is like a a decent talking point for us around uh, you know in, in this country. So I, I think you know I think the bottom line is you you both you have to feel comfortable um, mm -hmm. with your safety and everybody's perspective is different. So so it, it, you know if if I'm I, I may feel comfortable <laughs> with you standing four feet from me. That's me. However, my counterpart or, or my co a coworker of mine, they may want 21 feet. So it's the perspective. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's all about perspective and, and uh, what you perceive, how you perceive that. Do you, are you perceiving it as a threat because somebody's, uh, um, you know, throwing names? And, and you know, and, I, and I'm going back to Obed where, um, uh, listen, we, we are held to a higher standard. 
Um, it's it's the way uh, it's always been. Um, they're, 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 we're held to a higher standard. And um, some folks, whether they mean what they say, um, some folks have a bad day. Right. We, we all have bad days. Folks have bad days. Do, do, do I think it justifies them uh, hurling insults? Absolutely not. Um, but the, the, the you know, the fact of the matter is the bottom line is uh, throwing a fine, a, a monetary fine on uh, on insults is just not going to solve the problem. Throwing a, a, a jail term on insults is not going to solve the problem. We, we've, it's already shown that it's not that effective. So you have to come up with something that that that's that I think is reasonable and effective. And that's and that's unfortunately, in my opinion, that's not it. So now I'm going to come back at you, Mike. So you said it's it's up to the officer's comfort. It's subjective. You said for you, it might be four feet. For someone else, it might be 21 feet. So now we're back to that subjective measurement, right? It, so you want to talk about something that's doomed for failure. Again, this is me devil's advocating. You're just talking about something that's doomed for failure. You can't base anything off something that's not tangible. And, and a feeling of safety is not something that's tangible, right? Hence why they shouldn't have that, that, uh, that bill proposed. Well <laughs> done. And back and roll. All right. <laughs> so, me, so I've devil's advocated as best I could on something that I, I, I don't know if could tell. I, I don't believe in this bill. Not yeah. one for everything you guys said and more. I think it ruins the trusted legitimacy. I think that it is a way for people to start manufacturing crimes against people because you and I both know that Somebody somewhere, they're going to push the bounds on this thing. Someone's going to be driving by in a car and yell something out. And next thing you know, there's blue lights behind that car pulling them over. And now we got a problem. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to push the limits on this. You yeah, know? And, you know, and, and let me just round the round home here. And I get it. You know, like I stood out just like you guys did. We had protest and we stood out on those lines. I was at several of them. And some people, they push the boundaries a little bit and they take liberties that maybe they shouldn't. All right. That's fair. I mean, we're human beings under this. You and I, we've, we've talked on many shows. I've had many guests on and I'm trying to get everybody to understand there is a person underneath that 25 pounds of gear. And I don't care who you are, what you do, how much you get paid. Everybody's got a point where it's like enough is enough. We all do professional mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. However, this right here, it's going to end badly. There's no way that this can end in a, in a good way. So that's that's my uh, two cents on that. Obed, you wanted in. Go ahead. No, you know, I just wanted to. You said something that was you. You made it real for a second. Um, could you imagine? Just think about this, right? Somebody driving by says something, you know, not so nice, right? Mm -hmm. And then blue lights are behind. Let's say they don't stop, and now there's a pursuit. And let's say in that pursuit, somebody gets run over or killed. Let's say you end up using let. And then when you bring it all the way back to the Genesis, what was the purpose? Uh, he called me a pinhead. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that is not a road we want to go down, period. So that, that's, a, that's a real life um, you know, scenario that you brought up. And that's very, very important. So. Yep, that, that is, I guarantee you that'll happen. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even have a magic eight ball or anything that I'm using to predict this. So I'm just saying that this is guaranteed to happen. Mm -hmm. All right. So. Hit the chat real quick. A fine for bad manners in court all day, every day. But in your face is a different story. I agree. But we have to figure out what that distance is if we're even going to entertain that law in the first place and not go with what we already have, which is basically the whole, you're in my face. I need you to back up. I've asked you. Listen, I've asked you nicely. Now I'm telling you, you got to back up. We tell you. You're still in my face. So you close the distance even further. Now I'm making you. And it's a disorderly thing if this is in public. It seems to work fine, at least in this part of the country. That seems to work fine for the most part. But again, I, I guess somebody wants to put something a little more uh, with a little more teeth on the books. All right. Trust and legitimacy, since we're on that point right now. We're seeing that maybe some cities that wanted to defund the police, so maybe having a little buyer's remorse across the country. Have you seen anything about that, fellas? <laughs> uh, which city? Uh, which jurisdictions? Plural? 
Hold on, let me put this um, fire out with this gasoline, and then you know, go ahead, Obed. <laughs> well, this is an this this is a conversation that's been brought up in the past before, and I know that I've been outspoken about this before, and I will continue to be outspoken about it again. And if I live to be a hundred million years old, I will continue to be outspoken about this again. There, whenever there is a problem, <clears throat> actually, you know what? Let me make it even easier to explain. Please do. If I break a bone, if I break my ankle bone, right? I'm not going to go see a heart surgeon for heart surgery. You have to identify what the problem is. Once you've identified what the problem is, now you've got to comprehensively decide how do you fix that problem? If I've got a broken ankle, there's probably going to be an MRI or whatever it is to see where the breaks are, what, you know, medical application is needed to, you know, take care of that so that it can heal moving forward and so on and so forth. And in the context of 21st century policing, when we talk about healing moving forward, of course, recruiting retention is an issue. But you cannot, as a municipality, as a government agency, when I say municipality government agency, I'm saying whether you're talking from the city council perspective or, you know, state initiatives, all those things, right? You can't do a knee-jerk reaction of, oh, we've got this fire right here. We're just going to, you know, there's a spider on the wall. Let's send a bazooka to blow it up and then uh, see if we, yeah, you might have solved the problem right then and there, but at what cost? So as we see, you know, municipalities struggling to get people to come in, you know, you can't start doing the, we'll take resources, we'll take all this stuff away as a means of solving the problem without saying, hey, what are the long-term effects of this approach if we take this approach? So I know it's a little bit all over the place, but, you know, cities are not taking a comprehensive look. They're not looking at evidence-based strategies to solve a lot of the issues going on in policing. And that's what's hurting morale in a lot of these organizations. And that's why you've seen people leave in droves. Mike, go ahead. I'm tired of hearing the words. Seriously, I'm tired of hearing the words. All right, Cause I don't, I don't think anyone understands what, people who say defund the police don't know what defund the police means. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm tired of hearing those words. Uh, Let's talk about what, well, you know, let's talk about something that's real. All right, here's what's real. We need resources in other areas of law enforcement, mental health. That's real. So, so let, let's start talking about that instead of, instead of, you know, everyone talking about, you know, defund the police or, or, or divert resources from uh, law enforcement agencies to this uh, resource over here or, 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 or chop the, the, the department and have, you know, whatever, whatever definition you have for defund the police. Um, nobody knows what that is, but if you, if you want to know what the problems are, Again, you, it, it goes back to uh, the folks that live in those communities. Um, so, so I would agree with with some things that are being said. Is we do need law enforcement in general. We need additional resources. We we can't, we we wear way too many hats. We can't do it all. And and the the general public, the community, they 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 expect us to do it all. Uh, and we can't. It's it it it's a heavy burden on our backs, um, then, and we're continuing to do it with with lower um, um, resources or, or a lack of resources, I should say. Um, we're having retention problems. Um, so with that, all that compounding on law enforcement is adding uh, to the stress to an already stressful job. So I'm tired of hearing the words defund the police. I will agree with everyone 110% that we need to allocate resources to different areas that that uh, have some relation to law enforcement. Um, but we, you, you can't take you can't take from a budget that's not there. You can't take resources from 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 an agency that doesn't have that many resources. Um, so that's my issue with with. Uh, with with everyone that says defund the police, they they really don't know what that means or what that entails or or the the severity or the impact, the negative impact it has on the community. So, I like that word you said, impact. Obed, let's talk about the impact. So, some of these cities that have been hot and heavy for defunding and have uh, 
kind of changed the way police departments really, really limited what police departments can do. What are some of the ripple effects that we've seen across the country? Oh, I mean, like there's just too much to unpack just in that question alone. Give me two. Um, Oh, so we have a mass exodus going on right now. So we've got, and I mean in record numbers from coast to coast. So you have to remember, you already have natural attrition with people retiring each year. So you have that, you have the shortage of people coming in, and then now you have the mass exodus because morale is low. Um, you know, agencies can't do what they need to do to help their employees be the best that they can be. And just to and clarify, so, you're talking about mass exodus from police, police officers. Oh, just from policing. Job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you talk to every agency, you know, that you're you're hearing numbers like it never before seen where there's just just no resources. And, you know, Mike brought it up. It was just, well, if we haven't defined what that means, this is going back to the, we haven't even diagnosed what the actual problem is. So how are we going to solve the problem if we don't know what the problem We can talk about some of the symptoms, but if we don't know the genesis of these problems, then what are we doing here? So if you have pension reform and all this other stuff and you know, hey, we're just going to have to, you know, cut here, cut here, cut here, make your job harder, but we're not going to, you know, um, reduce your workload. We're going to put some more on your workload. And we all know about that video, uh, you know, Mr. or I should say Chief Brown did when he was then police chief of the Dallas Police Department, when he was like, hey, your dog's out of control, call the police. They'll go. They'll solve that problem. Uh, you know, you, somebody littered, oh, like, call the police. They'll go and solve that problem. Somebody got a hangnail, call 911, the police, they'll, they'll handle that problem. We, the police weren't meant to, were not meant to be the end all and be all to solve everybody's problems. And if you don't think, because I'm going to go back to that word you just brought up, Dave, impact. If you don't think this is having a significant effect on the mental health of police officers, take this, okay, two weeks ago or a little over a week and a half ago, Two police officers in the city of Chicago committed suicide within a week of each other. One was just promoted to deputy chief. And a week later, takes his own life. Now, granted, I don't know what the genesis of that was. You know, maybe there were some other issues, but this is not uncommon. Substance abuse, everything else associated with stress. And some officers now are just like, hey, you know what? Let me just go and move to Montana and just ride off into the sunset and not even have to deal with this in the first place. And then that puts, again, people's lives at risk because you got to have some form of public safety because if something happens, if you call 911, you're expecting emergency responses to show up and do their job. So you can't ignore all of the other issues. So if it means uh, police needs more resources, if that definition means not technically to the police, but technically to another city service to help supplement the services of the police, okay, we could be on the same page, but that has to be clearly defined. It can't just be a brazen, oh, yeah, you know, we're just going to. So. so perfect segue. Mike, how about a reaction to what Obed said? Um, you know, a, a pet, something that, that Obed said, it, 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 um, that I'm kind of passionate about and, and because I, I think it's important. And again, enough folks don't talk about the mental health components of the folks that do this job, particularly now in this country with law enforcement. Um, my entire time in law enforcement, this is probably the toughest environment that I've had to work in. Um, so it, I, I, and I think, you know, one, one of the pet peeves of mine is if when you bring this up to, to folks um, who have, you know, removed themselves from, um, from the street level to, to, for lack of a better term, and, and, and it's kind of brushed off, that irks me. Um, that is one of my pet peeves when, when folks start talking about mental health and it's just kind of brushed off and uh, no one really wants to talk about it. That is like a pet peeve of mine because, you know, folks that don't work the street, they don't know what it's like to work the street right now. Um, and it's easy to it's easy to say it's easy to brush it off when you're not the one uh, cruising from call to call. It's easy. It's easy to do. 
you know, and, and it's easier for us to climb uh, the, the, the higher we climb and rank, you, 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 you know, you, you have a buffer. There are certain buffers, the higher you go. Um, and, and so you, you are removed from that element of law enforcement to where you are bouncing around from call to call. And if you stay in, in patrol your whole career, which there's nothing wrong with that, but some folks stay in patrol their entire career. And those are the folks that suffer the most, particularly in this particular period of time in law enforcement, um, uh, as it relates to, to, uh, to mental health. Um, you know, in, and that's the sad part is that, you know, a lot of folks are talking about, which, which is relevant, don't get me wrong, community, 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 absolutely. Um, we can talk about other areas, um, but no one's talking about law enforcement and the negative impact it's having on law enforcement. No one's really having a serious conversation about that. And that's the, and, and that's the thing. Uh, that's what I want to talk about um, with folks who want to listen is, is the, the men and women who bounce from call to call every single day um, and see things that normal folks shouldn't see on a yearly basis. And, and that has an impact because we're human. We, we, we bleed like you. We cry like you. Um, we laugh like you. We go through the same trials and tribulations that everybody else goes through. But we happen to wear a uniform and we, we, we wear a held to a higher standard. And that's a, a heavy burden to bear at, a, at this particular time in this country. And go ahead, Obed, real quick, and then I'll, then I'll jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, no. And, you know, the humanizing part of policing you know, is because we still have this warrior mindset and we've had that conversation before in the past, right? It's like, dude, we're not, we're not in Fallujah. <laughs> we're out here in, you know, the United States of America. We don't have to have this mindset of we're going to war every day because if you stay in that condition 24 seven, it has those adverse health effects on you. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of these people, like you were saying, like you, they, they'll just, internalize it, suck it up, just go about like, it's going to come out somewhere. And like I said, some people find outlets with certain vices that are not exactly good for them. And it doesn't, you have to remember for a lot of people in this profession, it doesn't just hurt the individual, but it hurts their families too. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes they're often forgotten, you know? So, you know, just, it's, it's very, very important. That, All right. So uh, Obed, you know, I, I got to come back at you for this. I was going to go someplace else, but you pulled me right back in. <laughs> so you said a lot of a lot of police officers have that warrior mindset. Well, let me ask you this: Are you kind? Of, do you think is would you consider the possibility that maybe you're asking a bit much with today's environment? And it seems the the attacks on police officers physically, because it's no secret, police officers are being attacked. There's more people that are resisting arrest and fighting us than maybe ever before, right? I. Don't know where I would go that far. I don't know the date. I don't know the data on that as far as like today. It seems yesterday. like you're seeing it more and more that there's more that there's more and more people resisting arrest. This is now we're in my arena, like as a TT guy. Mm -hmm. People resisting arrest a lot now. People are being support, mm -hmm. people are being supported when they resist arrest more than ever, right? That's fair to say, mm -hmm. right? There's more mm -hmm. national support for that. And people are suing and going after cops financially more than ever before. I don't think that there's even a question about that because there was a point in time, even when we first started, all of us first started, where if you went in to complain on a police officer, they might just tell you to, to turn around and get out of the station. Well, that's not the case. If you work for an accredited department, every every complaint has to be looked into to some degree. Like those days are over where you can just tell somebody to beat it because you know they're lying or, or just because you're just not doing the right thing. For whatever your reason, you have to look into all that now. So now mm -hmm. you add in all these different factors that are coming on police officers, plus the extra duties, like you talked about earlier, like we're, mm -hmm. we're chasing dogs, we're doing mm -hmm. mental health sections, we're doing mm -hmm. all this craziness. We're, people expect us to know exactly what type of mental health somebody's suffering from and, and how we're supposed to deal with each individual one of these. It's a lot. So how can, is it fair for you to say that people shouldn't be in this warrior mindset, which is a defensive posture with all of this extra coming at us? Just being objective. Answer? No, 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 no. I love the question because this question goes right back to the original point that I'm getting at. We know that we do almost no proactivity when it comes to mental health services for police officers. Not every agency has the AP. 
for example, right? And you talk about the cultures and everything that's going on in the world today. Nurses, doctors, there are other high stress professions where they have, for example, emotional intelligence type training, where their employees handle this stress with dignity, respect, and without putting harm or harming other people or undermining other people or disrespecting other people. Nobody's saying that, you know, police officers are infallible, like they can't, you know, have a bad day or this, that, and the third. But I'm going to bring it back again to Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, right? Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react to it. I can't control what the media is saying. I can't control what somebody across the street thinks of me. I can't control, you know, maybe a group of people here saying, oh, you know, pig this or, you know, sell out that. I can't control that. The only thing I can control is how I react in those situations. And if we have that, if we have that kind of training, if we have that kind of being out in front in this stuff, because this is not this, these aren't conversations that are taking place in, you know, internally. The conversations are usually something like, hey, be mindful, you know, we don't want to get sued, as opposed to, hey, this is a mental health thing to keep you healthy, not just for today, but for the future. All right. I got to bounce to Mike on this. All right. So I'm going to ask Mike the question I'm gonna, I was going to ask you in response mm-hmm. to this. So, Obed, you mentioned that, that other, other professions are having this emotional intelligence training. So I'm going to ask Mike. So do you know of any other professions that are having this mental health training? And Obed mentioned that there were people that are going through what we're going through, but they're handling it with, with differently. I would say that the difference is those other people know that at the end of the day, they can call us and we're going to handle it ultimately. So is it the same? Can you, is it, are you comparing apples to uh, apples here? Because who do we call? If we wanted to handle things with dignity and things get out of control, who do we call? We call for backup. So, Mike, anything to uh, add to that? Um, there is no other job quite like law enforcement. We we have the 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 we have the best seat to the greatest show in the world. Uh, but when it's bad, it's bad, uh, and when it's good, it's good. Um, but but here's my thought on that, I, and I'll agree with Obed. Um, to a certain extent is I think that, you know, we, we should go into uh, to our communities with a guardian mindset. We should go into the communities with a guardian mindset because we, we can't, we can't go into our communities regardless of the, the, the dangers that we face. And, and, and again, there's a very small percent of folks um, that will actually harm us. Um, A lot of folks that we deal with, they, they have bad days. Like we happen to, to catch them on their worst day. Um, but a lot of folks are good people. We just happen to interact with them on their, one of their worst days. Uh, so, so not everyone that we, ha- that we interact with or, or that, that's going through a crisis is a bad person. They just happen to be, have a bad day. And it's a very small percentage of folks in communities that are like that. Most folks you interact with, just good, regular folks from the community. Um, so I think that you have to have that guardian mindset when you interact with with the community. Now, other communities across the country, it may be a totally different atmosphere because some some communities historically have had a huge, huge, huge problem between law enforcement and the communities uh, uh, that they serve. They, they, historically, there's been tension. Um, but generally speaking, uh, in a lot of the communities across the country, um, to go into the to, to communities with a warrior mindset, I, I think it, it's you, you, you're setting yourself up for failure to to a certain extent because um, because if if when you go in already with that mindset, you you, you I, I think you fail to to try to be on the same level as folks in the community. Uh, and that's why that's why I say you have to go in with that guardian mindset. You have to go into the community like you're one of the people from that particular community. Um, and, and then you but you you also have to pay attention that when those antennas start going up, you have to be able to transition. That's exactly. the important that's the exactly. important part of that warrior uh, mm-hmm. guardian, uh, that warrior mindset and the guardian uh, mm-hmm. guardian mindset. So is it fair to say you have to have both? Because the way yeah. I see it is, mm-hmm. I don't like the either or con- uh, conversation. 
You, I don't you like have, either or. You, I think that you, you have, have a blend of both, and you got to know how to transition between the two. But if you're just a guardian mm -hmm. and it's time to be a warrior and you don't know how to be a warrior, guess what? You're going to be in a whole heap of trouble when you run into the wrong person on the wrong day. Agree. Uh, and I, conversely, I if you're a warrior only, like Obed's saying, you're also going to run into trouble if you run into the wrong person on the wrong day and they turn around and they film you and report you. You're going to be in all kinds of trouble that way, too. So you have to be able, you have that toggle switch. You got to be able to bounce back and forth between the two. Let me hit the chat. So let me hit the chat here. So Ed says, we need to understand that our warrior mindset is a response to not having the ability or opportunity to resolve conflict by any means. That's perfectly stated. Mm -hmm. So we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. At the end of the day, gentlemen, who decides if force is used? It's not us. The people we're dealing with decide to force to use in 99% of all encounters. If we could just walk around and just our mere presence and just simply tell people, hey, stop what you're doing, go on your way, or hey, turn around, you're under arrest, and we could just cuff people, and that would be the end of it, I think that we could all agree that we'd have a lot less use of the force across the country. But that's not the case, especially not nowadays. People are resisting arrest at, at more than ever before. So they're kind of dictating where these things go. Yep. Oh. All right. So there's more here, too. So I'm going to go back to a little bit ago. So Matt says, first of all, he says, great to see everybody on the show. It's a great discussion and where police officers are human beings. He remembers a story. Matt is on the job, obviously. He remembers a story being told by a civilian that they didn't know that police officers ate food. <laughs> I'm sad not to laugh at that. The reality of what defund the police does on a community is is... It's obviously, I think he got cut off there, but he hopes that more people are listening to the show. It's very informative. So, again, there's, you know, that I think the, the main point that Matt was trying to make that there's people that don't realize that we have human needs, desires, wants, just like anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that makes it a little more difficult. All right. That was a good back and forth there, fellas. I got to say, that was, uh, <laughs> that was something. So, moving on from there. Trust and legitimacy, what do we do, how do we increase it, and how do we get people to meet us halfway? Mike, what are your thoughts? Man, that, that, is, that is a tough question because that's what we're trying to get to now. And, 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 and again, we, you know, we'll, we'll take several steps forward and then, and then a few steps back. So I, I think that's the tough thing <clears throat> for, um, for law enforcement in this country right now is, is to is is to really define or, or show folks what what it what trust and legitimacy means to uh, to the communities, and I think that's different for every community. So every you know, there's going to be tweaks uh, everywhere you go throughout the country, um, but I think the most important thing um, that we've been doing better at is is just being more transparent with the community. You know, and I, so I, I, I think uh, to a certain extent, you know, some things are sensitive where where uh, releasing information could jeopardize an investigation. It could it could jeopardize somebody's safety. But but for for the most part, I think that being more transparent with the folks that you serve, I think, adds or builds upon that trust and legit legitimacy. And I also think that as we go forward in law enforcement, I think we have to do a uh, a better job with partnering with the community. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean uh, you know uh, we're blessing folks in the community to 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 go out and, and be vigilantes. What I mean is that we need to be um, better partners in and and meeting their needs as far as what they specifically need in their particular uh, communities. But again, that requires um, that requires resources. Obed, same question. I would actually rephrase the question to what can we do to meet the community where they're at? It is definitely not on the communities. Uh, it is not their responsibility to come to us to solve the problem. It is our responsibilities because when it comes to public safety, who's on the front lines, it's the police. If the people are not happy with the police for X, Y, and Z reasons, we need to sit down with them and say, how can we be better for that? And what steps can we take moving forward? And 
when we talk about trust and legitimacy, when you ask community members, what does, if you were to ask them, what does that success look like? That definition you're going to get from the community versus what the definition of success looks like from the police are going to be drastically different. Going back to, we're not even on the same page on what it is that we want. That's the first problem. So what we can do moving forward from today, moving, you know, moving forward is not just sitting down and listening with the community. It's actually sitting down, working on solutions where everybody is on the same page moving forward. Because I got to make sure I, I, I got to call this out. Um, there is this expectation that police is public safety, right? Public safety is not the responsibility of the police only. Public safety is the responsibility of the police, community members, businesses, neighbors. Everybody has a stake in making sure our communities are safe. When you put all of that burden on one group, being the police, right, you can see how they're overtaxed. Now, when everybody has ownership in being a problem solver and making sure that communities are safe, everybody has a stake in making sure that we do what we can to keep our respective communities safe. Simply saying, hey, uh, a public, that's, that's their job. I don't have to do nothing. So if I see a crime going on over here or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? I got to pull y'all go take care of that. I mean, that's not how it's done. So, you know, I mean, you guys are married. You guys have families. Uh, it's a partnership with everybody making sure the house is in order. It's not one person's responsibility. Granted, everybody has a different role in that, in that space, mm -hmm. but everybody has that shared responsibility. With that shared responsibility, you'll get better results. All right. So now I got to come back to you on that. I see Mike's, Mike's catching a Holy Ghost over there. He agrees with you. <laughs> so, here's, my re here's my response to that, Obed, and I want you to consider this. So my response to that is this. See, at the beginning, you said it is up to us to go to the community, right? Yes. But then towards the end, you said it can't just be the police. It has to be a partnership. So at the end, you kind of brought it back to what I was saying from the beginning. They do, the, the community does have to meet us, meet us in the middle. And I'll tell you why. Because first of all, they have to meet us in the middle because they have to be willing to hear what is realistic or not. Because if you are just talking about going to the, to the public and trying to just listen to them and meeting, meeting their expectations without them willing to meet you in the middle, you know what happens? You ended up, you end up with places like Portland and, Se and Seattle. You end up with people that think that you can shoot a, a, a subject that's running in the hand and shoot a gun out of it, because that's what a lot of people's perception is. So there has to be, um, they, there has to be some reality there where they are at least willing to have a conversation and be educated on what is realistic and what is doable. All right. We can't just go and just get a wish list from the public, just like the public just can't come to the police department and get a wish list from us. It is, it is, it is both people have to meet in the middle. It's not, it's not as simple as one group just listening to the other and figuring out how to get this done. Mm -hmm. I, again, that's just my opinion, but um, I'm no, just. I, I, and I, and maybe the semantics got caught up. What I'm saying is, from this side of the fence, if I know that I if I know that somebody's got an issue with me, mm -hmm. I'm not going to wait for them to come to me. I'm going to make that first step to come and meet them. The point is that we have to meet in the middle. But if we do the stalemate of no, you go first. No, you go first. <laughs> well, see, we're not going to get anything done. So I would rather I we take that leadership role and we take that first step. It doesn't mean we're wrong or mm -hmm. that you know saying that you know they're right or whatever it is. It's you know at some point you got to remember. Leadership is uncomfortable. And, you know, you have the show, great show called Difficult Conversations. And everybody keeps thinking that, you know, when we talk about reform and everything moving forward, like this is easy. This is messy. Anybody who tells you that we're going to solve a lot of these problems by just coming up with one or two bullet points and then a couple trainings, they're lying to you. Okay. The healing process, we're still talking about the generational trauma from slavery from over 400 years ago, redlining, Jim Crow, policing from slave patrol. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There is a lot of healing that needs, to take, that needs to take place, but a lot of that is accountability too. Yes, accountability from us on the policing side, accountability from the community side. Those are going to be some, and I'm not trying to steal your... Uh, 
your title here, but there is going to be a lot of serious, serious, serious difficult conversations. But just like working out in the gym or training for a triathlon, yeah, day one, day two, those days are going to suck. But guess what? 60, day 70, you're going to be much better for it. Everybody's going to be much better for it. But so you I'm have to embrace that suck. So I'm going to respond real quick, then I'm going to go to Mike on this next point. The point I'm making is this. In order to have a difficult conversation, you need one thing. You need two willing parties. Mm-hmm. If you don't have two willing parties, there is no conversation. If you don't have two willing parties, there is no de-escalation. All right? None of that can take place unless you have two people that are willing to take part in that process. It is a carefully orchestrated dance. All right, moving on from there. Mike. Yes, sir. All right, so Robert says doctors kill way more people each year than police officers. Very little accountability. Very few MDs lose their job or you lose their license. So clearly the point here is it seems like there's that double standard again. Because again, yes, we're held to a double we're held to a higher standard. All right, we all agree to that. We are we're all okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. There is a certain amount of trust that people are supposed to have in their police department. We're all on board with that, yes? Yep. Aren't those two things that also apply to doctors? Don't you have aren't they held to a higher standard? Absolutely. Don't we aren't we supposed to be able to trust our medical professionals? Yep. So why is there such a discrepancy with this? Why is it that we're held up here and doctors aren't held anywhere near? And again, this is no disrespect to any of my friends out there that are doctors, but I don't think anybody can deny that there is a completely different different uh, standard out there. So why is it, Mike, that the standards seem to be so different, even though people want the same thing from both doctors and police officers? You couldn't give that to the doctor? Nope. <laughs> Come on, why are you trying to start trouble, Mike? Always trying to start something. Always trying to start something. Uh, uh, you know, that's a that's a that's that's a tough question. But I I, I think I think if if uh, if I had to answer that right, mm-hmm. is my perspective on that, and I'm going back to uh, some of the things that that Obed Obed pointed out uh, a little earlier was. Law, listen, law enforcement has an ugly, ugly past. And, and you know, and, and don't get me wrong. There are a lot of profession, uh, profession, um, professions out there that have some uh, have a have an ugly history. But right now uh, in this country, law, you know, law enforcement is it. We're it. Um, so and, and a lot of people are getting attached, uh, 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 getting up emotionally attached to what has gone on. A lot of things that have gone on in the past. And I mean, way in the past. And they're bringing that up to the forefront of, of law enforcement now. And, and we're, we're two totally different um, times in history. Um, you know, so, you know, if you read, read some of the things that, that, is, that law enforcement was used for uh, back in the day, ugly. It's no longer that way. Um, but I think that some folks are still bringing that emotional charge into uh, the conversation and into that profession, and they're attaching that they're attaching that stigma to to law enforcement today, um, and and that's and that's why not that we're we're held to a, a higher standard. Um, that's that's why our standard is different. Doctors are held to a higher standard. Law enforcement is held to a higher standard. But that definition of higher standard for law enforcement is a lot different. So, Mike, I just want to clarify. You're saying that we are held equally to to the equal high standard as doctors. You don't think that we're held to a little higher than than doctors? No, no. I I think that as a licensed doctor, you're you're held you're held to a high uh, high standard because pe- folks have to have to have the same thing that they have in law enforcement. You have to have trust and legitimacy. Every profession, every prof- every uh, profession. There has to be some trust in legitimacy, but even even in law in law enforcement, it's just it's it's a it's a different animal. Uh, it's a different animal because we are in contact with the community on a daily basis, daily basis. Um, our our interactions with folks are totally different from a doctor client um, relationship. We uh, law enforcement in the community, we 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 have a very unique uh, uh, relationship. Um, that that doctors don't have with their clients. Uh, I mean, it's just again, you, we we have a lot, 
we have a lot of things that it's a tough question. I'm going to say I that. know it is because <laughs> you are. Uh, no. I will no. tell you exactly why that is. Go ahead. See if you can wrap the, it up. We, we, are, we are the face of government. Mm-hmm. When a doctor's driving down the street, ain't nobody looking at him or her. Yep. When you see a patrol car driving down the street, everybody's looking. I mean, literally, police officers are one level just below your typical or average celebrity. I mean, that's real talk. And when I talk about, you know, again, when we talk about the history of government and people's distrust of the government and so on and so forth, and that history that follows, right? This is why you're seeing people kind of like, eh, I ain't touching that vaccine because you had the Tuskegee, you know, uh, the Tuskegee, I don't know why I with that word. Tuskegee. Tuskegee. Yep. Yeah, the Tuskegee's experiments and everything else in the medical apartheid book, you know, just there are people who just don't trust the government. And when who's, I mean, not, they don't trust the government. Who is the face of what they don't like? Right. It's the police. Yep. It's right. not medical doctors. It's not a, hey, we're held to a higher standard because we're better or they're higher. It's not that. It's, you know, you got different, and that's, different and that's, but similar histories. And that's right. why you should, go ahead, Mike, come back. And that's why you should have went to the doctor initially. <laughs> All right. So, Listen, man. So it, to respond to that, and yeah. I think this, this is was what you're saying, but I'm going to say it's super simple. We are the only part of society that has to answer the phone every time we're called. Who else? Mm-hmm. Who else? Fire. We are the only the, the, the fight. You're right. They have to answer the phone, but they don't always no. have to respond. They can tell people no. Who else can never tell somebody no that you're not going to respond? You're somebody right. calls for a cop, you get a cop. So we are the, you're right. We're the face of the government. We are the most accessible branch mm-hmm. of the government. Mm-hmm. And that is why, my friends, that people t- lash out against us the most, because quite frankly, and I hate to say this about myself, we are low-hanging fruit, gentlemen. <laughs> we are easy to grab, we're ripe, and we're right there, and we're ripe for the picking. So that's yeah. why people are all over us, because we're, we're easy, and we're a very easy target right now. Mm-hmm. And that is the lowest common denominator of where we are right now. So let me go to Steve's comment. Steve says, what has been done locally with communities and law enforcement agencies with the meeting in the middle or even having an open discussion? I feel neither side is moving in this direction. It appears Ellie is backpedaling just to say, just to stay afloat. Never mind. Uh, never mind. Have to clarify or to come forward to talk about what we do each and every day and how to fix the relationship. All right. So are we backpedaling? Are we in kind of like a uh, defensive mode or what, Mike? No, I, I and again, I, I can I can only speak from the perspective, my perspective, um, but I, I've had conversations with many folks. Listen, anytime anyone in my community wants to come forward and, and have a conversation with me and it's a productive conversation, I am willing to do that any time of the day. And folks, you, what's that? I know I'm just letting Obed know I see he's he wants oh, to. <laughs> And, and folk, you know, and folks in the community that know me, they they know that's the truth. Uh, so no, there's no backpedaling here, um, you know. And I and and I I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, and again, I can only uh, base this off of my perspective. But in no way, shape, or form am I backpedaling. Any any conversation that has been brought to 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 my uh, to my doorstep, I'm willing to listen uh, and see where we can meet uh, meet in the middle and. and Mike, I got to jump in to clarify. He's yep. not seeing you like Mike Powell backpedaling. He's no, talking no, no. About law enforcement in general. Right, right. Because you have to admit, you aren't the average cop. Like, you don't see things the way the average cop does. I don't think so anywhere else. Or else you you wouldn't, I wouldn't have you on as much. You, you wouldn't be as remarkable <laughs> if you were as average, if you thought things through like the average cop. So just to be clarif- clarify, he's not talking about you, Obed, or myself per se. He's talking about the, the law enforcement as a whole. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I, I figured as much. Yeah. All right, Obed. Real quick, any thoughts on that? <sighs> A wise man once said, "Building trust and legitimacy is like building a sandcastle, one grain at a time." Building trust and legitimacy is not going to take one year. I'm gonna tell you right now, it ain't gonna take three years. This is not a finite thing. This is a work in progress and stays in 
progress. 10 years from now, we're still going to be working on this issue. It is no different. And now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to step out of my lane real quick. I'm not married. Okay. That's twice uh, stepped out of that lane. <laughs> I'm just saying. But from what I understand, those successful marriages, it's not a noun, it's a verb. It's work. It is not a, oh, okay, so we've been married three years or five years, so we're good, so I don't have to like pay attention to you anymore. We're good, so I'm just go over here. That, 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 that's not how it works. It is a work in progress. You get better at it every time. You do everything you can to strengthen it so that when you retire or whatever, when you move on, that you leave it better for the next person coming from you know behind and so on and so forth. So it is a verb. It is not a noun. It is a work in progress and it will continue to be in progress. And no, it won't be stopping anytime soon. Check out Obed. He listens to a couple Barry White tracks and he thinks he's ready to give messages. <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, we're down to about four and a half uh, minutes left. Let's start, let's end on a positive note. What do you got cooking, Mike? What's new in your world? What are you working on? And what do you got going? Um, no, I I I've been I've been having some positive talks with uh, some mental health professionals in my community and, and uh, we're, we're trying to uh, talk about things to help um, kind of incorporate mental health professionals into law enforcement a little more. Um, so that that's something that uh, I look forward to working on that um, that's been coming up a lot. So uh, that's been kind of taking up a lot of my time. That's perfect. I mean, I can't think of a better person to spearhead an effort like that with somebody who's, um, I mean, heck, your first episode was Call Me Mike. You know, that was one of the, one of my favorites because you are such a community-based guy. You're a down-to-earth guy, and you just want to partner with people to make things better. So uh, I, I have no doubt that you're going you're gonna to be the faith. People are going to be coming to your jurisdiction to learn how you did it. So Kudos to you. If there's anything we can do to, to help you with that, please don't hesitate to reach out. Obed, what do you got going on? Yeah, uh, same thing. Just uh, working with a lot of organizations in various factions, trying to uh, make ev evidence. Well, yeah, evidence-based policing, uh, you know, a mainstream thing, but also with uh, emotional intelligence training. Um, as you know, here in California, we're like, hey, this has got to be a mandatory thing moving forward, uh, you know, not just for you know, community police relations, but, you know, it's also important that, you know, for the good people that work, uh, you know, in policing who are just stressed out about all of these things, you know, there's got to be that outlet or that, um, you know, that release or those evidence-based strategies to help them cope with a lot of the stuff that's going on and, you know, helping organizations uh, be more efficient so that, you know, they can be more innovative in being better at providing services for their, you know, communities that they serve. And I'm going to be speaking to a group of judges and attorneys in about a week about um, DEI, the intersectionality of DEI, emotional intelligence, community engagement, all that kind of stuff. So, all right. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to talk in normal talk because you you forget that we're not <laughs> all doctors here throwing out all these acronyms. So DEI is diversity. <laughs> You know what? Diversity, right. equality, equity, which is yeah, yeah. obviously we do a ton of here at Supply the Y. That is one of our major trainings that we mm -hmm. offer. But um, for those of you out there that don't understand all the doctor talk, that's what that what he meant. You see, I see. I consider you guys like peers. Of course, it would happen. Like well, it's not so, just yeah. us. There's, there's people out there in Cyberland watching too. Mm -hmm. Mike, go mm -hmm. ahead. You want to get in something real quick? We're up against yeah. it. No, I, I don't mean to throw you underneath the bus, Dean, but I know you just finished up some some training uh, recently last week, mm -hmm. which which I think is is very very important, particularly now in law enforcement, and and I hope some of that training uh, comes to the forefront of a lot of us in law enforcement because it's it's very important, and I and and I'm sure you learned a lot from it. I did. You, you can go ahead and throw it out there since you already opened the door. You know what I mean? Oh, oh listen, I, I wanted to throw you out there because you threw me you you threw me out there with that question that Obed should have got. Uh, so I, <laughs> Matt, you know what? Come through this screen. I'm gonna come get you, Mike. I'm gonna come get you. So the, so the training Mike's talking about is I just got finished. Um, I do with the uh, FBI's crisis negotiator uh, course, mm -hmm. um, forty hour course. It, it was a long week. It was a tough week. Uh, you a lot of very difficult conversations, and um, what to Mike's point, it's something that I think should be incorporated in the academies. It should be trained in every police officer. It shouldn't just be for people that are in a negotiator role. Because let's face it, every call we go to, 
There's a negotiation. People are negotiating with us as to why they don't want to go to jail. We're negotiating on why they should go to jail. People are negotiating with us as to why they don't want to move their car. We're negotiating with them why they should and what happens if they're not going to. So there's a negotiation almost every call we go to. And these basic skills, obviously, uh, they transfer to every aspect of policing. Fellas, that's it. It's been an hour. I know. I know. So I just want to thank you guys. Dr. Magny, Mike Powell, thank you guys so much. It's always amazing to have these conversations with you guys. And I admit, this was a tough one. This was not an easy one. And that's why I chose you guys uh, for this assignment, because this couldn't just be anybody up here having this conversation. So kudos to you guys for being the right people at the right time. All right. So, folks, that's it for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Come back next Monday night for another great show. If you like it, please like, share, subscribe, tune in to all of our different channels, and pass the word. We're just getting started. All right, everybody, good night. Be well. And as always, remember, hashtag supply the why.